Hello and welcome to the Northgate Podcast. Get ready for an exploration of the Gospel of Matthew in our new message series, Love God and Love People. The title of this study of Matthew is much more than a catchphrase. It is a call to action. We'll dig into what it means to love God and love others, even when life gets complicated. We want to push you to rethink how you live out the Gospel message in your own day-to-day life. Let's have a listen. He says that to all the services. I just want you to know. Actually, he didn't say it last night. He didn't say it to Saturday, so whatever. I guess that's on Saturday, people. Hey, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. Really excited to kick off a new series, Love God, Love People. I'll tell you more about it as we get started. I'm somebody that takes wearing sports gear really seriously. And by that, I don't just mean that I do it all the time. I mean, there's a level of commitment for me when I wear a sports team's gear. I wouldn't just do that for any team, right? So for me, it's the Bills. I think you know that. It's the Red Sox, and I can explain why I like both of those at a different time. I do have some gear for my daughter's soccer teams, kind of bias to those, and uh, that's about it. I do, I have a Sabres hat because sometimes I get to go to Sabres games and I want to have a hat, and so I, I do that, but I don't really wear it otherwise because I don't follow the team closely enough, and I'm worried that somebody's going to see me and be like, man, what about that game today? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. That was a game. Because to me, if you have a team's hat on, you should know what's going on with that team, right? If I see you and you're wearing a Yankees hat, we should be able to discuss what your lineup looks like this year. That's kind of how it works. I uh, met Bob Goff in California a few years back. I had the chance to do a one-day conference with him, and it was with like 30 people, so we all got to kind of meet him, and he's an author and a speaker and a really cool guy. Other than he wears a Red Sox hat all the time. So I also had a Red Sox hat on and was like, hey, let's go. Let's talk about the Sox. And he was like, oh, my B stands for Bob. And I was like, does it though, Bob? Does it? The old English B stands for Boston. We were at Cedar Point this summer, and uh, we were kind of up. We were waiting in a line, and we saw somebody down there with a Diggs, like, T-shirt jersey on. And I was with Amy's brothers, and so, you know, we, of course, as you would, we said, hey, and we looked, and he didn't turn around. We did it again. We did it a third time, and then finally he, like, looked back and just kind of, like, did that. And I was like, get that jersey out. You are not worthy of wearing that. If you're wearing Bill's gear and somebody does that, you sing it back, right? That's what you do. Because when we make the decision to identify ourselves as something, it should matter. It should matter to us. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a husband. I'm a father and I'm a pastor. None of those things are identities that I entered into lightly. Those are things that I've been for a long time and those are things I plan on being for a really long time. Those things are my identity. They're not just what I do, they are who I am. Well, today as we kick off our gospel series for 2024, I want to look at that. I want to look at identity. Now, if you follow along here, there's kind of a formula that we have uh, for the series that we do each year. When we sit down to put together what are we going to preach about for the entire year, and one of the things that we do every year is a gospel series, and it rotates through. So this year, we are in Matthew. If you're really astute, you can probably guess the gospel series we're going to do in 2025, and it's our longest and most in-depth series pretty much every year, almost every year, because ultimately... It's all about Jesus. Ultimately, we, Northgate, are all about Jesus. It's not that the rest of Scripture doesn't matter. 
It does. All scripture has purpose. All scripture is useful. But we are people who want to spend time with Jesus, learning from Jesus how to be like Jesus. And we can't do that without reading the Gospels and paying particular attention to the conversations, the interactions that Jesus had, the accounts of his life, those firsthand accounts. And in the first message of this series, we're going to look at one of the most powerful accounts of identity in the entire Bible. And I'm talking about the baptism of Jesus. On this baptism weekend, when we have 10 people who have decided to take this next step uh, in their faith journey, we had one last night, we have three in this service and six scheduled for uh, the 11 o'clock service, we're going to see in this account the main point today that Jesus' baptism, or Jesus identified with us in his baptism, and we identify with him in ours. Right? That's what happened the day that Jesus was baptized, and this is what happens the day that we choose to be baptized. I'll unpack that a lot more later, what exactly I mean by that, but this is the heart of baptism. This is what happened on that day that we'll look at from the Gospel of Matthew, and this is what will happen in just a few minutes here. But before we get into the account of the baptism of Jesus, let me just go ahead and ask and attempt to answer the number one question that I and probably most pastors get about being baptized, and it is this, do I have to be baptized to be saved? I've heard that so many times. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is very, very clear that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, not by something that we can do, and a work that would include baptism. Salvation can't be earned, including by being baptized. So in a vacuum, the answer to that question is no. But I'll tell you this. If you were going to up and ask me, and you, that's your question, you're like, hey, I've always wondered that. I'm going to tell you, you're asking the wrong question. The question should never be, what is the bare minimum that I can do and still go to heaven, right? What's the, what's the, just give me the lowest level, right? Lowest level, right? Keep me out of hell. I, I don't like water. I don't want to get wet in front of a crowd. So what is it? Like, just bottom line it for me. If that's your mindset, you're approaching it the wrong way. I've done a lot of pre-marriage counseling and I've yet to have any guy say, okay, listen, just tell me, what is the least amount I can do for you to stay married and not leave, right? Just least amount, right? What is that? If I vacuum once a year, like, what is it? Give me the, the parameters. I've never asked Vern, Vern, what's the bare minimum I can do at Northgate and still continue to work here? Why? Because we care about those things. And when we really begin to grasp how wide and how deep and how strong the love of God is for each of us, our question will not be, what's the absolute least that I can do? Our question will become, what do you want of me, God? What, what is it? Anything, just name it. You want me to tell everyone I know how you saved me and how you changed me, done. You want me to care about people that don't look like me or act like me or believe like me, you got it. Sitting in a tank and being dunked under warm water is relatively minor compared to a lot of the other things you will be asked to do when you really follow Jesus. And so that's always my pushback. Do I have to be baptized to be saved according to scripture? No, you don't. If you make the choice to give your life to Jesus today and you tell me, hey, I wanna get baptized the next time we do it and then somehow tragically you die between now and then, I don't think God's gonna be like, oh, so close, right? Mm, you were right there. When people in the early church, they became convinced that Jesus was the Messiah and they asked Peter, what should we do with this? He told them in Acts 2.38, Peter replied, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why when people say, I love Jesus, I'm, I'm giving my life to him, I'm just not gonna be baptized, that I have to push back a bit. Do you wanna be the kind of Christ follower that's going to do the absolute bare minimum? And then what kind of tone does that set for your relationship? I mean, if that happened in pre-marriage counseling, what kind of tone is that gonna set for the marriage? Because a bunch of stuff in the Bible, it's complicated, it can be difficult to understand, it can be hard to grasp, but repent and be baptized is not. We don't have to get into the guts of the Greek to try and understand the, understand the nuance of the, of the language here. It's a clear, simple, two-part plan. There's only one thing that we need to do prior to being baptized. There is only one prerequisite for baptism, repentance. Like, that's it. That's the one thing we have to do. Remember prerequisites in school? Remember there was an order of the classes you had to take? You had to take philosophy 101 before you could take religion or philosophy of religion because that's a 400-level class. You had to get them in the right order to do that. But with baptism, there's only one thing you need to do first, and that is repent. You don't have to get perfect, right? You don't have to say, hey, I got some stuff in my life I'm gonna clean up and then I'm gonna get baptized. You don't have to read your Bible from cover to cover. You don't have to serve a certain amount. The Bible says just repent. And repent, it doesn't just mean feeling bad about something. It's not a feelings word. Repent is an action word. When we repent, there's a change of direction. There's a change of heart. Church people often say repent and turn, but that's actually redundant because repentance requires turning. If you don't turn, there's not actually any repentance. The act of baptism, it doesn't purchase our salvation. Jesus did that on the cross. The act of baptism, it doesn't forgive us of our sins. Jesus does that when we repent, when we turn to him. The act of baptism identifies us as belonging with Jesus, just like his in his baptism, he identified with all of us who would follow him. So let's start to look at this Matthew passage, chapter three, verses one and two. If you're wondering, because Matthew is a long book and the series are never long enough to do that, we're starting at chapter three. Uh, chapter one's genealogies, have fun with that. Chapter two is the Christmas story, I think you know that. So we're jumping right to chapter three where Jesus is baptized. Here's what it says. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. John's job here is to prepare the way for Jesus, to get things ready. He's laying the groundwork for what and who was to come after him. And what's the first message of John's, the first word of John's message? It's repent, right? John's message was a call to repent because something better was on the way. Right? That's what John had. John wanted people to know things are about to be very different. The kingdom of heaven is getting really, really close. God's about to break into the world in a way that he has never done before or since. Now he had, of course, already started that breaking into process 30-something years before this in Bethlehem when heaven and earth intersected in an eternity-shaking way. But now, but now people are about to know it in a way that they hadn't known yet. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And his message wasn't, you guys are awful people, so you need to start doing better. That's not his message. His message of repentance is good news for all the people, just like the angels had told the shepherds in the field that it would be. And people really responded to this message. They really resonated with it. Look at verses five and six. 
People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. This message of repenting, of turning with the hopes of something better to come, it really resonates with people and a revival breaks out. They confessed their sins and they repented and they were baptized by John. This is, of course, why he gets the name John the Baptist or John the Baptizer because he didn't invent baptism, but he really brought it to prominence. They had ceremonial washings that were a part of the Jewish religion, but those were generally for Gentiles who wanted to convert to Judaism. They would have a ceremonial washing that might resemble a baptism, but they were not super common, right? This wasn't a thing that was happening all the time, and so that's why John got the name that he did. But this was a forerunner to what we'll do today as we see. John's baptism, it's kind of like the, the opening band, right? It's the undercard fight. It's not the main event. And, and John actually knew this at the time. He didn't find out later, like, I was just doing the demo versions of baptisms. Like, he knew in verse 11, he's telling people, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's baptism was just a baptism of repentance. Ours is a baptism of repentance. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's a baptism of identifying with Jesus. So we can see that John's baptism was only a preview of what was to come. And so John, he's doing this. He's doing his forerunning. He's doing his undercard fight, the preview baptism, and his baptism of repentance. And then in verse 13, the game changes, right? Everything changes. Here comes Jesus. I don't know if he had entrance music. He probably didn't, but it would have fit well, right? Where Jesus comes walking in. John's out here baptizing people into repentance, and he's telling them, guys, listen, the kingdom of heaven is very close. It's so close. And then the kingdom of heaven comes walking on to those shores with them. Verses 13 and 14. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus, he heard what's going on. He knows his cousin, John the Baptist, is at the center of it. He's leading this revival, and Jesus wants to come, and he wants to be a part of it. But in typical Jesus fashion, he doesn't send a messenger ahead and ask if he can be the headline speaker at this event. He doesn't roll in and say, hey, guess what? There's a new sheriff in town, JTB. Move aside. I'm doing the baptisms now. It's probably what he called him, right? John the Baptist, so long. I call him JTB. He humbles himself, as he's already done in his life, as he will do throughout his entire life. And he asks John to baptize him. And John, of course, I mean, John pushes back. I can't blame him. He's right for this. Jesus doesn't have anything to repent of. He's lived a perfect, sinless life. He will be the perfect sacrifice. So he says, for what possible reason could you, Jesus, need to be baptized? And here's what John knew and understood at the time. Jesus was sinless and righteous and had nothing to repent for. That's why John looked at him. He's like, you don't need this. You don't need this. I think you're in the wrong place. The first time that I went to the place where I get my beard trimmed, and if you're like, well, you get your beard trimmed, I'll just say, go back and watch the videos from COVID, and you'll understand why I do that. And so I was sitting in a chair, and I, uh, I had like a skull cap on, you know, I was waiting, and I hadn't met the guy yet, and he says my name, and I get up, and uh, I pull my hat off, and he kind of looks. He was like, you're here for the beard, right? And I was like, 
It's like, yeah, this is like four hours fresh here. So, but he kind of had that. He's like, you don't really have any need for what we're offering here. And that's kind of how John the Baptist looks at Jesus. He's like, we're doing baptisms of repentance. Here comes somebody that's perfect and righteous and sinless. You don't really have any need for what we're offering. And John was right about that. He understood that on a certain level, but he didn't understand what Jesus was doing on a much deeper level. So verse 15, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. I love those last three, then John consented. Like, listen, if you're smart, you didn't argue with Jesus very much. John was right when, he said, when what he said, but Jesus just replies and says, listen, there's a lot more going on here than you understand. Let's make this happen. And John says, sir, yes, sir. Because what Jesus knew that John didn't is that in his baptism, Jesus publicly identified with the imperfect people who would follow him. That's part of what Jesus was doing throughout his entire life on earth, his birth, his childhood, his ministry, eventually his death, Jesus came to identify with us, with you and me, with sinful, broken, normal people. And here in his baptism, he does the same thing. He stands in our place. He takes on the identity of people who will need to repent. He takes the weight of the sin of the world onto his shoulders, just as he would on the cross. There's so much foreshadowing going on in Jesus' baptism. Paul said it this way to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So there's this, this whole exchange here where you have somebody that's completely righteous and he's taking on the sin of sinful people so these sinful people can become completely righteous even though we aren't and never will be. And while Paul is talking about the cross in that verse, it's the exact same thing that Jesus was demonstrating that day in the Jordan River. Jesus identified with us in his baptism, with you and with me, with the people who will be baptized this weekend. And this baptism, it sets the tone for what will, what will be his earthly ministry and for how he will die at the end of it before he rises again, how he will accept that death when he really didn't have to. And as Jesus is identifying with us in this moment of his baptism, something incredibly powerful happened, something that had to shake everyone who saw it. Verses 16 and 17, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Jesus comes out of the water and God rips the sky open and he makes this declaration that this is my son and I love him and I'm pleased with him, I'm proud of him. The voice of God and the presence of the spirit, it gives Jesus this validation. It's like the official inauguration of his public ministry. All three people of the Trinity are separate and distinct at this moment and Jesus' baptism reveals to us that his identity comes from his Father. I just need to pause there, and the people who are being baptized or people that are helping them, you can go and get ready so that you've got enough time. They'll help you at the information desk once you're ready. But look at, look at what happens here. Jesus is loved before he ever even began his public ministry. Before he healed anyone, he's loved before he performed any miracles, he's loved before he made the agonizing choice to go to the cross. God loves Jesus because of the relationship, 
not because of what he's done, not because of what has been accomplished. I just want you to know it's the same way for you today. He loves you today. He will not love the people being baptized today more when they come out of the water than he did when they went in. Now, they might feel and experience his love in a new and profound way. They might feel changed by the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. They might recognize that this act of obedience has begun to change them, but it doesn't change his love for them. He's loved you since before you were born. He's loved you on your worst days. He's loved you on your best days. He's loved you through your biggest failures, and he's loved you through your proudest accomplishments. He's loved you in the valleys, and he's loved you on the mountaintops. You are his child. And parents know we don't love our kids more or less when they're doing well. I don't tell my kids, like, hang on, let me log into the parent portal and check your report card before I say if I love you or not, right? I love you regardless of what's on there. And the report card's always great because they're Amy's kids too. Now, in another letter to a different church, Paul said in Galatians 3, 26 and 27, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I love that clothed yourself, right? Because it goes back to the sports thing, right? It's identifying yourself with a team. It's pulling this jersey on and saying, this is who I am. This is who I'm with. Because through Jesus, we are made sons and daughters of God. We're his children. That's how he sees us. That's how he loves us as his children. And then through our baptism, we choose to clothe ourselves, to identify ourselves with him. We choose to say, I'm with Jesus, and I'm with him today and forever. Because in our own baptism, we identify ourselves with Jesus. Now, when I have somebody come to me and they say, hey, I'm interested in being baptized, you know, I don't know if I'm ready. I say, hey, we're gonna ask you three questions. And it's a past, a past question, a present question, and a future question. And so I'll say the past, right? There's only one prerequisite for being baptized. Past. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you repented? Have you asked Jesus to say, hey, I give you my life. Do whatever you want with it. Have you done that? And then number two, the present. Because you've done that, do you desire to be baptized and tell people, I belong with him? I identify with Jesus. Jesus is who my life is for and who my life is about. And then future, right? Going forward by the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing none of us are gonna be perfect, but will you live every day of the rest of your life for Jesus? And when people can say yes to those three things, let's go, let's go. It's time to be baptized because baptism is all about identity. And I just wanna say, I know we're doing baptisms today, but if you hear this and you're saying, man, all right, I gotta do this, right? This is my next step. You can do it on the cards, all the stuff Becca said. You can go into the app, pick next steps. Baptism is one of those things. And uh, it'll be a little bit till we do another one, but I will tell you, we'll have a brand new tank next time. So you can be one of the first people in a nice new tank that I'm not worried about breaking open behind me. There's a story that made the rounds in the news in 2010 about a man named Francisco Madariga Quintella. Now, Francisco's mom was a 28-year-old surgeon when she was kidnapped by the Argentinian military in 1977 when she was pregnant. After being born in a torture center in Buenos Aires, known as the Campo de Mayo, uh, he was taken from his mom before she was killed. A military intelligence officer actually brought the baby home, his umbilical cord still attached, and gave the baby to his wife. They never told him his story. They never even told him he was adopted. 
For his entire life, his identity was the son of a violent and abusive father, a murderer who was a part of a corrupt and unjust military regime. But Francisco said he always had doubts about his identity. And after his adoptive father's death, he finally confronted his adoptive mother and she broke down and told him the truth. Thanks to DNA testing and his biological father's endless search for him in 2010, he was re reunited with his natural father after 33 years. And as he met his biological father, this good and kind and loving man, this man who wanted nothing more out of his life than to find his son one more time, he realized that for his entire life, he never knew who he was. He never knew his identity. And after meeting his dad and realizing the monster that he had been told was his dad wasn't, he said, for the first time in my life, I know who I am. And to have your identity is the most beautiful thing there is. Baptism is all about identity. It's all about knowing who we are and whose we are. We saw in Jesus' baptism that his identity came from his father. Then in Jesus' baptism, he identified with us, the imperfect people who would love him and follow him. And finally, in our baptism, we identify ourselves with Jesus, publicly announcing that we will follow Jesus, that we are choosing to identify with his death, with his burial, with his resurrection, and with his new life, claiming our identity as Christ followers. Because having your identity is the most beautiful thing there is. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the example that Jesus lived. Lord, on the pages of Scripture that we can open and we can see what he did. We can see how he humbled himself. We can see how he chose us long before we chose him. Lord, I thank you for the people who are taking this step of being baptized today. God, who have followed your calling to their, their next step in their faith journey. Lord, I pray that you would be present in an incredible and powerful way. And the Lord, they would be forever changed, that they would be marked by you and by your power and by your Holy Spirit and that their lives would belong to you. And Lord, I pray for everyone else here who's already been baptized, Lord, that in some way as we see this act, as we see this obedience, that we would renew our own baptismal vows, God, that we would once again declare, yes, I belong to Jesus. And God, for anyone here who has repented, Lord, they have given their lives to you, but they've not taken the step, I pray that you won't let them off easy. God, help them to take that next step. Lord, help us to listen to you and follow you no matter what the cost is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have a few. We have three in this service. All right, you guys are all ready. Look at that. They're making you go first, Dominic? All right, come on up, buddy. I'm going to get these sleeves off. You can go right up there. You're going to take the flip-flops off? Okay, leave them on, man. It's your world. Come on in. Separate in. And then I'm going to have you come and sit on this seat part right over here. There you go. Now, your grandma and grandpa bring you to church very faithfully. And I remember when they first started bringing you, you were just a young guy, weren't you? Yeah. And now, can you tell everybody how old you are? Ten. Ten. And you and I talked about these questions, and I asked you, have you given your life to Jesus? And you said? Yes. And I said, so because of that, do you want to be baptized and let everyone know that you identify as Jesus, with Jesus, you belong to him? Yes. And going forward for the rest of your life, will you live in a way that honors him? Yes. All right. Do you have anything else you want to share with all these people that are watching?
Now put your hands up. Either grab your nose or right here. Dominic, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great job, buddy. Good job, man. All right. Come on over, Linda. You want to leave your flip-flops on, too? All right. Maybe. There you go. Come on, just sit right down on the edge here. Now, Linda's been with us uh, for a few weeks. And I met you, and we spoke about this, and we talked about uh, you giving your life to Jesus. And um, you've gone through some, some tough times recently, and you felt like what I need to do is get to church, and I need to find Jesus, and then you need to take this next step of being baptized. Yes. Is there anything you want to say about that? Okay. Well, I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, we're glad you're here, too. All right, so have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Yes. And so because of that, do you want to be baptized today to tell everyone that you belong to him? Yes. And going forward for the rest of your life, will you live your life for him? Yes. All right. Now put your hands up or grab your nose. Anyone? Linda, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> And you ready? You're as ready as you're going to be, right? You ready to come on in? All right. Now, Cheyenne and I, we've, we've talked a few times. And how old are you? 14. 14. What school do you go to? Pavilion. Pavilion. All right. And we talked about your faith, and, and you really wanted to take this step. And I will say, you're not alone. This is a big step for people, and so there's always a lot of nerves that go into that. But I'm really proud of you for pushing through and for being here today. Uh, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Yes. And so do you want to be baptized to tell everyone that you belong to him? Yes. And going forward, will you live your life for him? Yes. Is there anything else you want to share? No. All right. Now put your hands up. Shan, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for people that desire to step out of their comfort zone to follow you. God, I thank you for these three people following this next step in their faith journey, God, for identifying with your son, Jesus. God, I pray that their lives would always be marked by Jesus and by his power and his presence, and that you would do great things through them for your glory. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Following Jesus and I'm not turning back. We'll say it would be a great day to make that decision to follow Jesus or if you've already done that to make the commitment to be baptized going forward. I'm going to give you a takeaway before we go today and that's that when we are baptized we're choosing to identify with Jesus and with his death, burial, resurrection, and new life. Thank you so much for being here. Go today in the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week and we'll see you next weekend. We want to thank you for listening to the Northgate podcast today. We hope that this message inspires and encourages your faith. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.